This show is an ultimate podcast group production. Hey, this is Live Better with Natasha with me, Natasha Hamilton. This podcast is all about exploring your mental, physical and spiritual wellness. Live Better with Natasha is for anyone who is looking to broaden their horizons with their wellness, who want to heal, they want to grow, and they want to feel on top of the freaking world. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the last uh, episode of the Live Better with Natasha season. We've done 19 so far. This is our 20th episode. I'm going to take a little nice, well-deserved break from podcasting for a few weeks, but we will be back um, in a month or so's time with some more incredible stories. But I am... I feel honoured today to talk about this story and the fact that we're releasing it today, which is the day before National Cancer Day. We are shining a light on something that really needs our help and support, guys. So with me on the podcast today, I have the incredible Sam Wilkinson. Welcome to the Live Better with Natasha podcast, honey. Thank you, Natasha, and thank you for having me on today. Honestly, it's my pleasure to be speaking to you today. Now, we're going to talk about your family journey and your little girl's journey. Um, She has been diagnosed with a rare form of cancer, which is called neuroblastoma. And just before we get into the story, would you just explain to us a little bit what neuroblastoma is? Yeah. So um, neuroblastoma is a childhood cancer um, that affects mainly children under the age of five. So it's um, it's a rare and aggressive um, cancer. And in the UK, it affects around 100 children a, um, a year. So on average, that's two families a week will get the news that their child has neuroblastoma. Um, it's the second most common solid tumour Um, cancer in children after brain tumours and as I said like Una it affects um, children mainly under the age of five so it develops from the cells that are left behind when the baby is developing in the womb and so neuro means nerve blast means cells in the early stage of development and oma means a group of cells or a tumour yeah so that is neuro yeah, and this is something that isn't treated in the UK. Am I right? It is treated in the UK, it is. But for um, some children who are in advanced um, stages of neuroblastoma, um, which it would be stage four high risk, um, they need to be, all the trials for them or the majority of them are outside the UK. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I got um, confused there. And let's talk about Una because Una's three at the moment. Yep, three. Yeah. How did it come about? How did Una get Pauline? How did you find out, you know, that this was happening to her? Yeah, we were actually um, really lucky with Una. Um, So... Just one other thing about neuroblastoma, a lot of children, their parents might take them to the doctors two, three, four, five times before um, they get a diagnosis because the symptoms can be quite vague of neuroblastoma and just put down to to childhood 
illnesses. And so with Una, she had been poorly for about four weeks before we took her to the doctors. And it was, so she was 18 months old when she first became poorly, but it was kind of intermittent. She had had a sickness bug. She had had a little bit of diarrhea. She had had a fever with no, like with those symptoms and then without those symptoms. And then she was fine. Um, I had just had another baby and she had gone to nursery and it was winter. It was the UK. So we just assumed she's picking up bugs. She's been exposed to new children. Um, So we kind of put it down to that. And then it was on the 30th of December. My um, mum said to me, she was like, my mum and my stepdad said to me, oh, her tummy looks a bit swollen. And we were looking at her and we were like, oh, yeah, it does a bit. Like she, a, a tummy, I don't, I don't even know how, like a little bit of a Buddha belly. But then toddlers do have those, those bellies as well. But she'd been having a diarrhea at that point as well. So my mum said, let's, why don't you just ring the out of hours doctors? So I did. And it was a Sunday. And they said, yeah, bring her in and we'll just check her over. So we went to the hospital our local hospital in Cumbria, and we saw a nurse practitioner in the out-of-hours doctor clinic, and he had a good check over. And well, when we were waiting to go in, I thought, oh, I'm just wasting their time. As, I don't know. I, I think you do as a parent sometimes. You thought, oh, we're going to be in and out within 20 minutes or not even that. Anyway, he started to um, check her over and then he went out and then he came back in and he just said, um, I just want one of the paediatricians to check her over while you're here he's like I'm not sure if I can feel something so they took us up onto children's ward and started getting asked lots of questions they took some bloods and then they were like we can feel something and I was like okay um so they thought it was her liver so one doctor one doctor thought it was her liver another doctor thought it was her spleen um, so there was a lot of amin and ahring and because it was New Year's Eve the next day to try and get a doctor to perform an ultrasound, she needed an ultrasound. They said it wasn't surgical um, at that time, so she needed an ultrasound to see what, what it could be. Um, yeah, so they, but they were struggling to try and get a doctor to come in to perform it. So anyway, we were in hospital probably a good three, four hours and they said, we're going to let you go home tonight, but we'll ring you tomorrow and let you know where the ultrasound will be and what time. So we were like, okay. And at that point she said, but the good news is her bloods have come back and they're okay. And I was like, okay, well, what were you looking for on her bloods? And that's when they said leukemia. So I think at that point- Such a shock of- as, as a parent to yeah. kind of just think, oh, it's just a routine checkup and you're hearing words like leukemia. Exactly. Very because. Very- yeah, like I say, you just, like, like, when, my, when I was sat there waiting to go and see the doctor or the nurse practitioner, I just thought, oh, it's just going to be like, she's got a stomach bug. She's just got some diarrhea and a bit of trap wind or something. You don't, you don't expect to be parachuted onto this, this journey or, you know, and end up in, yeah, where we ended up. So anyway, we went home and got a call the next morning um, to say she's got an ultrasound booked at the local hospital at three o'clock in the afternoon. So we turn up at three o'clock in the afternoon. We got, we had friends who took our eldest daughter out. So we just turned up um, with myself, my husband and our newborn baby. So he was four weeks old at the time. 
and she's laying on this bed and they're performing the ultrasound and there was there was two doctors in the room and a nurse in the room and oh I don't know they must have been 20 minutes at it and he turned around and said to us just to let you know it's all looking really boring really normal so you have that sense of relief hit you at that point and because they were looking at her spleen and liver to begin with because that's where I guess they thought they could feel something something didn't feel right and then he said we'll just check her kidneys over while we're here so they checked her kidneys over and that's when it all went very serious and very quiet in the room and there was a lot of um like talking between themselves, the doctors and re-scanning and, and looking at it. I, I don't really understand ultrasounds, but looking at it in different kind of colours and things like that and um, taking images. And then he finished and he was really good, really lovely. And he said to us, he went, we found something. So, <laughs> um, take your time because this is... <laughs> I mean, this this wasn't even that long ago, so this is going to be raw. And thank you for sharing this story and shining a light on what families are going through. And when we get to how people can actually help, that's what this podcast is all about. So thank you for sharing this with us today, Sam. No, thank you. Sorry, everybody. Um, So, yeah. um, And then he said, we found something. And I I can't remember the exact wording he used, but it made me ask him. I said, oh, well, is it common? I I don't know what he'd said to me for me to say, oh, is it common? And he said, I've scanned thousands of children and I've only seen this once or twice. So I was like, right. So they sent us back to Children's Ward and yeah. As you can imagine, I got on there and it was a nurse that we hadn't seen the day before and I just burst into tears. So she took us into our room that we'd been in the day before um, and we were probably in there oh, a good 30 minutes and then the doctor came in because they were trying to organise for her to be transferred mm-hmm. out of that local hospital to a children's hospital, which was Manchester Children's Hospital. So they came in, spoke to us and um, yeah, and that's when they said the word oncology. So, yeah, I must have been such a really frightening time for everyone. Yes. Yeah. How yeah was it support, was like how was the support like? Because I know, like in Manchester, in the Children's Hospital, I know they like they are superb and they do incredible work. Yeah. No, and it was, it, the support was amazing. You, 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 the drive down, so, so that was um, New Year's Eve in effect. We got this news and we were admitted the next morning or the next afternoon. So we, on the drive down, you, you just don't know what you're going to, what you're going to. And, you know, we walked onto this ward and like to the biggest smile and greeting I think I've ever had in my life really. And, oh, you must be our Cumbrian family so glad how was your drive down and yeah just it was as much as it was a sad place it was also very magical as well and so much hope and love on that ward incredible so little Luna she was 18 months at this point so she was 18 months when she first started getting ill and she'd just turned 19 months when when she was admitted onto oncology. So we get in there on New Year's Day. Obviously, it's a bank holiday. So 
it was just a case of getting us settled on that day and um they were they, and they were so incredible as well because obviously we had a four-week-old baby so between our local hospital in Cumbria they'd organized so Clark could be with us in hospital so he had like a cot she had a cot and obviously you know as the parent you can stay with them they'd organized a room at the Ronald McDonald house for my husband so they they really did make us feel part of a family on that ward even before we'd even got there they'd they'd already gone those extra steps where we felt there were extra steps for us to make us yeah. to make us feel at ease um, absolutely to keep everyone together yeah really stressful times but knowing that everyone was there for each other exactly. is a comfort isn't it it really is a total total comfort and um, so yeah and then the next day they sent her for another ultrasound because they were unsure whether they could see anything on her first ultrasound it was very much a roller coaster ride for us um, in terms of a diagnosis, it did take it did take a while to get the diagnosis. So she had another ultrasound, uh, ultrasound, and they said, "Yep, yeah, we can see, we can see the." Um, I don't think they use the word tumor. I think they use the word lesion on her kidney. So then she was sent for an MRI scan, and then they came back to us and said that, um, "Yep, yeah, there was definitely one there, but they'd also found another one, which was at the um, bottom of her spine." So then she had another um, MRI scan, which was like a full body MRI scan to make sure there was no other tumours within her body, which thankfully that came back clear. One indicator they do for um, neuroblastoma is a urine test. Now, UNAS came back below levels. So then at that point, they were unsure whether it was neuroblastoma or not. So we were, we were sent um, home and we went back the following week to repeat that urine test and she was booked in to have surgery to have um, these lesions removed. Um, after she'd been booked in for surgery, that second urine test came back positive to say it indicated neuroblastoma. So that puts us on another path then of more testing. So she had to go through bone marrow biopsies um, and she had to have an MIBG scan, which is a nuclear scan. Right. Um, which would which would light up those two tumours. Um, not all neuroblastoma tumours I've since learned would light up to an MIBG scan, but I believe it's about 90% do. So, and that's to see if there are any kind of light ups as well, because it's a whole body scan within the body. So thankfully her bone marrow came back negative. Um, and also it just... Are these all quite intrusive tests? Yeah. So um, bone marrow biopsy in children, they do it under general anaesthetic. I believe in adults, it's just local anaesthetic. So that was um, two needles in the bottom um, of her back. Um, and yeah, so she had a, ge a general anaesthetic. Even the MRI scans, because they're so little, they can't, they can't lay still for that length of time. Um, at that point, she was having him under sedation. Um, and that even, even that in itself is, is quite traumatic because when she wakes up from sedation, it, it's like dealing with your really bad drunk friend on a Saturday night who's, who's hungry and shouted and being quite abusive and wants to walk but physically can't walk. Yeah. Um, 
so in that in itself is quite distressing to see to see your child having to go through through these things and I think to myself like you know she's she's three now and she's had more surgeries and general anesthetics than I have in in my life so yeah she's a little warrior she is she totally is a little warrior yeah she definitely is she's she's very ballsy too (laughs) good (laughs) honour obviously gets that from a (laughs) mum so you're going through all these tests you know things are coming back it's been an incredibly hard time for everyone how when when did her first treatment started due to treat once they they knew exactly what it was like what did you have to go through like what treatment process and how long did that take yeah so we were really fortunate una's um cancer was um stage one um so she hasn't required any chemotherapy or radiotherapy um so her treatment was surgery so so obviously this process started on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day we were admitted. Um, she had her surgery at the end of February 2019, which was a four-hour surgery to have both the tumours removed. Um, and then it was another three-month wait to have a follow-up scan um, to make sure that they'd got everything and everything was gone. So so, so we know how lucky we are and it's it's down to charities like neuroblastoma uk that fund this research because without them her treatment plan could have been so different because automatically you think about cancer you think chemo or radiotherapy um so you know it, it it's just amazing the developments um that have been made with research into neuroblastoma for example some some children who are before the age of 12 months they go on a wait and watch kind of protocol where they're scanned every however at certain intervals whether it's eight weeks whatever it might be and in some of those children the cancers actually disappear on their own um, and they don't yeah they don't require any treatment at all that's in, that's incredible yeah but all of this treatment, like it's so sensitive, it's it, it costs so it costs a lot of money, and it is down to charities like Neuroblastoma UK who help with the funding for all of this. So you've gone through all of this, this treatment, this support, this you know, a charity support you, but that charity needs to raise money for the research into how these cancers develop, should we say? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and, and that's that's what's so important about, about Neuroblastoma UK is the money that that they can give to, you know, the researchers, the students um, that are doing their PhDs, what whatever field they might currently be in and and looking and over the last 20 years alone they've funded um seven million pounds worth of research into neuroblastoma which is an amazing amount of money um and 
I, you know, I was I was speaking to um, Liz from the charity this morning, and she was saying, you know, like five thousand pounds can be enough of a grant as a small research grant for somebody to go out and start looking at something. Which then, if they, I guess. I'm not a scientist, but then if they find something through that, then that gives them then another opportunity to apply for a bigger grant to look into that further. Um, and their, their, their purpose is to find kinder and um, more effective treatments for neuroblastoma because currently they don't know what causes neuroblastoma. Okay, so this is important. Like This is why we need to help charities like Neuroblastoma so they can get the important groundwork done so we know more in the future. Now, before we tell everyone what you are doing at the moment um, to raise some money for Neuroblastoma UK, tell us how Una is now. So she's doing really well now. Um, so her, her protocol um since um, being told that she was NED, which is evidence of, um, sorry, END, evidence of no disease, um, has been three monthly MRI scans. So she is due her next one next month. Um, and hopefully all going well with that, then they're hoping to stretch out her MRI scans. So we might go to four monthly or five monthly scans, which will be amazing because for us as a family, it's just that step in the right direction to, to get into the five years of, of being all clear. But yeah, she is, she's just a typical three-year-old who is sassy with attitude, knows what she wants, um, loves, loves being at nursery, um loves being with friends yeah she's okay. ace <laughs> well you know ev like i just huge respect to you for coming on today as well and just talking because i know this is raw and it's so personal but hopefully people hearing what you've had to say the journey you've been on and also how important it is for us to fund charities so they can do the research. It's just shining a light in the right place. Um, so obviously there's yourself and your husband, Stephen. You've also got Lois, who's seven, and Clark, who's two. And as a family, you are raffling your home <laughs> to yeah. help raise money for Neuroblastoma UK. Yeah, so exactly. So we're raffling our house, um, which... We bought this house to be, um, so when Una was um, diagnosed with cancer, it was five days before we were emigrating the UK. Um, so we bought this house to be as a base for Una, uh, for us and Una, when she needed hospital appointments or, you know, if the worst were to happen and she was to relapse. So we had somewhere to come back to the UK where we knew we could stay there and she could just get the treatment that she needed. We are now returning to the UK. So I've decided instead of trying to sell the house on the open market, um, we've decided to raffle it to raise money for Neuroblastoma UK. And so the house is... That's, in, that's incredible. So when we say <laughs> raffle a house, guys, we mean you buy a raffle ticket for £2.50 and you get the chance to win the house. Yeah, so you get the chance to win the house with all legal fees paid, all stamp duty, plus £5,000 cash as well, the winner would receive. 
um, to spend on bills or, or whatever it might be while you decide what to do with the house. Which is incredible. And you are looking to sell 125, sorry, 120,000 tickets. That's correct. Do you know where you're at at the moment? Yeah. So currently we've sold 40,000 tickets um, in about six weeks. We've done that. Incredible. But we can do better. Yes, <laughs> and we definitely. do realise, we realise, you know, we are in a global pandemic. There is so much going on, but there's so many charities struggling to keep up the research and offer the help and support that they need. And this is such a beautiful, kind gesture from yourself and from your family because of what you've been through, because of the journey you've been on. Um, and that's why we're here today to shine a light and for people, please, please get involved. There is you, you can definitely put your hand in your pocket and pull out £2.50 today and buy a raffle ticket. How many people can you reach out to today and tell them the story or share this podcast and get them to do it? Like, let's create a ripple effect today. Like, don't buy that extra whatever it is that you were going to buy from the shop this week, like put that £2.50 to the best use you can this week. Um, And yeah, let's just, I I can't wait to see this just all happen. Um, The whole concept is, is a, it's a little bit crazy, but it can it totally works. And giving up, giving up your home and to give back like this, really is incredible sound like I take my hat off to you well thank you thank you it's um it's been a hard journey <laughs> to get to the 40,000 but you know like having you supporting us is is amazing and giving us this opportunity to talk about the ha- house raffle and reassure people that actually it is a thing um the site that we're using to host has successfully raffled off seven houses since August last year So there are seven winners out there that have won house raffles. Um, As much as it might sound like quite a new concept, your odds are winning are far better than the lottery. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah, we we just want to, you know, the whole our whole point was to be able to help the charity. As you've said, charities are struggling with the pandemic. So many fundraising events have been cancelled and they're always thinking of new initiatives um, to be able to raise money. But we just thought, well, this way, somebody actually wins an amazing prize um, and the charity win as well. So, yeah. Amazing. Now, where can people go to find out or donate? Or so, like, you've got your Instagram page. Can you just give us that, please? Yeah, so that's at Winner South Lakes House. At Winner South Lakes House. Your Facebook yeah. group? is win our south lakes house win our south lakes house and any other platforms where people can go as well yeah so they can go directly to raffle website which is um raffle.com and then um forward slash win south lakes house so it doesn't have the a in that it's win south lakes house on their site also within the show notes 
to this podcast, we will have all of those links. I will also be sharing this on my social media with swipe up links so you can easily find it that way. And I just urge all of you to share this story today, tomorrow, for the rest of the week and moving forward. So whatever we do, Let's share this story today, tomorrow, for the rest of the week and moving forward so that Neuroblastoma UK get the funding that they need. Sam, thank you so, so much. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you sharing such a sensitive story. No, thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about Neuroblastoma, the charity, obviously, Neuroblastoma UK and the house raffle and yeah fingers crossed with your help we will be sailing into the 120,000 tickets and we will be able to donate at least 40,000 pounds to the charity amazing I've got everything crossed for you and please send a massive hug and to to little Una and all the kids as well so Tash sends a big hug (laughs) I will too (laughs) thank you Thanks for listening to this episode of Live Better with Natasha. If you have enjoyed the show, please give it a five-star review on whichever platform you get your podcasts. It helps us more than you can imagine to reach more people and share important lessons and conversations about mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. You can also connect with Natasha and become part of the Live Better movement right now by clicking the link in the show notes. If you're serious about scaling your personal or business brand, then you need to be producing audio. Yes, you need a podcast. Podcasting is exploding right now and means that you can reach a global audience, be seen as the expert in your marketplace, collaborate with world-renowned influencers, turn followers, fans, and listeners into paying clients, and open up a world of opportunities. So when you're ready to add the power of podcasting for your brand and business, check out the Ultimate Podcast Group, the team that make this very podcast ultimate podcast group your one-stop full service agency for all your production needs for more information click the link in the show notes now